0: mm yeah. doing out there in Geek Vibes Nation? This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, for another episode of this wonderful world of wrestling in which we talk about the news and the latest and greatest in professional wrestling of the last week. Um, of course, got my co-host, uh, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, along with me. How are you doing, dude?
1: Doing great, man. Cracked up in a beer. I'm so glad I got my AC back in this bazillion degree Georgia weather. Um, so you know, things are looking up this week for me, at least after a rough beginning. How are you doing, man?
0: Dude, I'm doing good and I'm so glad my AC unit I'm gonna knock on wood right now. You heard it just now. I'm I just I, I, I experienced that last summer and I don't want to ever experience that again of just not having air conditioning. And to all of our friends in the north, uh that have have dealt with the, the heat waves. Deal with it, biatches, I live in Georgia, we get crap for having snow, so you guys can have the fun of the heat right now, I'm just kidding, anyone listening anywhere, I'm happy that you're listening, just to give you a rundown of everything, Uh, if you're new, um, you know, we we talk about wrestling every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, and uh, we break down everything, and, uh, you know, not everything, probably uh, most things, I would say. Uh, We're not the Wrestling Observer. Although, sometimes I try to do a really horrible Dave Metzler impression. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm extremely tired. I have not had an energy drink. I am cranky. But don't worry, Chris. We're going to fucking talk about all this stuff, and we're going to get through it. You feel me?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel you, man. All right.
0: Well, uh, something, somewhat of a big announcement happened today that – professional wrestler Chris Jericho was hinting at on Facebook saying that uh, there was going to be a big announcement and uh, we have it uh, you know, which is, this has been speculation with AEW, but now there's a confirmation behind it. We're going to see AEW television on TNT on Wednesdays starting October 2nd. And it's going to be from eight until 10 PM. And it will Well, we don't have a confirmation on it, but it's expected to be called Wednesday Night Dynamite like was previously planned for Tuesday Night Dynamite. Obviously, TNT is um, a big uh, production company that hosts uh, basketball games. So Tuesday, not the best slot. They moved it to Wednesday. Still, the confirmation is there. AEW will be out October 2nd. Even though we are in the midst of summer, it, it feels like it's just right around the corner, Chris. And we'll be watching AEWs on our lovely, comfy couches at 8 p.m. October 2nd on Wednesdays. Are you excited about this, sir, and what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's been rumored for a while. There was some conversation going around that maybe they would go head-to-head with Monday Night Raw, which I think me and you basically put put into the ground. Um, so I'm glad it's officially announced. we got an official date. We have something to look forward to coming out of uh, – what, uh, God, is it all in? No, it's not all in. Whatever the hell the pay per view is called. Uh, are there, anyways? Yes, <laughs> the pay per view coming up. We'll have something to look forward to coming out of it. And I guess we'll get a pretty good build, probably one more house show. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they were able to give us on these pay-per-views, especially the production, some of the cool stage settings. It's going to be live in different towns. Uh, that was the other big thing. Is, you know, I don't know that they're going to go all across the country, but they definitely said they're going to be going live, probably <clears throat> mid-sized venues, uh, similar to what NXT and Impact does. So uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, and uh, I definitely look forward to it. And, and i uh, I don't know. Do you have anything, like, that you want to see on that opening night show, what would be the big hook for you as far as something really cool you could do on the opening night show that's not just crazy outside the realms of like bringing a CM Punk back for instance. But uh, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to uh, come October 2nd, Dan?
0: Well, there was this ridiculous rumor that I thought was very cool that um, a part of uh, Jushin Liger's, um, you know, exit out that, I don't even think that Brian Pillman Jr. has officially signed with AEW, but there's gonna be a match between the two of them, um, as a little bit of an homage. Uh, but that that would kind of like the thing is, I understand they're on TNT, and people, a lot of people, want to correlate it with WCW, but AEW does obviously need to be its own thing. Um, I love the fact that Tully Blanchard's in Sean Spears' corner, but that's kind of like a another like it, it needs to make its own feet and not try to be. Uh, basically the new WCW. Um, so I don't know how I got on that tangent. It's just, I think that was the downfall of uh, TNA, for instance, of uh, uh, well a lot of having to do with uh, bringing the, a lot of the, um, you know, wrestlers later on that were a part of that roster, but specifically, I don't necessarily have to see anything in general. I just want a good show. I know it's kind of a boring answer. Uh, I'd like to see the beginning of the tag tournament, which I think is already uh, confirmed. And I mean, The thing is, even though they're going to be in Chicago for All Out, if you were going to have CM Punk come back uh, a match on the first thing, I'm just saying in in the realms of if he were to be at All Out, he makes his appearance, says that he's going to have a match in the future, uh, yeah, you would want to publicize the shit out of the first show and have that, I would assume, on that first show. But like I said, nothing exactly, you know, that I need to see. I just want to have a good wrestling show and please keep some of that comedic bullshit off of it. But uh, what about you? Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me is Chris Jericho rolling in as champion um,
1: and building the show around that, in the tag tournament, which I think is, is the plan and what they're probably going to do. So as long as they stick with what I assume is the plan, um, not really a whole lot more. I want to see than that. I am kind of, I am kind of excited to see what they do with Dean Ambrose on a week-to-week basis when he's able to get promos in. Um, those are kind of the big things I want to see is, you know, Dean Ambrose went at this pay-per-view and you build that feud up a little bit more um, kind of stuff they're already doing. But instead of me having to tune into all elite, um, some of it on TV, maybe dialed back a little bit and just the continuation of the good production they've been able to put out, because I think like their video packages and the way, I mean, there's obviously some stuff with timing that I think they can get better at, but like the the show itself looks fresh and different. So much so much more different than uh what we see with uh any of the other main brands, which is kind of just here's our setup, this is what we do each week, no matter where the venue and AEW's kind of done different things, which I'm looking forward to, especially in different cities. But that big that that big first night, uh I think it would be cool to get some guest announcers, something like that. Like yeah, They did something with Tony Schiavone. I think that would be cool if they could bring him in for a couple of years. He times. got in trouble uh,
0: with uh, MLW for doing that, if you didn't hear about that. A little hot water. He didn't tell them. <laughs> but I would love that. I didn't hear about that.
1: I know he is still technically under contract with them, but they sent him home because he couldn't work the change dates that they made. So I don't know how that well, shakes out. but
0: I, I think MLW is a part of uh, – They have something involved with baseball with their podcast, something like that. So he does other things for them outside of the wrestling. Uh, But, yeah, I was uh, was hearing that. I don't know how the hell uh, RVD was on Raw. I thought he had a contract with Impact as well. So I don't know what's going on these days. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Rob Van Dam posted a picture of him from the show where he looks high as hell and says, when you smoke so much weed that you end up on Raw instead of Impact show.
1: <laughs> That's pretty. I mean, they played that joke into the the Raw reunion as well with the Street Prophet, which I thought was pretty fucking funny. Um, yeah. Like, wait, why does he need eye drops? drops hanging out with
0: Rob Van Dam. So well, my assumption
1: better. is that was uh, which I haven't heard. It's not confirmed, but you know, Rhino did show up under contract for an Impact event, so maybe it was just an even trade. Like, hey, don't do uh, Rhino, and we'll let. We'll let RVD go over. That's not been confirmed anywhere, but if I was guessing, like business wise, you're getting RVD for Rhino. That seems like a pretty good trade off. Even though they didn't do. They literally didn't do anything with RVD except for him coming out and then making, you know. He held up Sergeant Slaughter. (laughs) Yeah, well, someone has to. (laughs) I love (laughs) Serge. Me too.
0: All right, so there's a rumor going around, um, and I think I can kind of squash it after talking to my brother who had a little bit of knowledge. Um, but we, it kind of goes back to what we've been hearing, that NXT that they're trying to actually have. That's why Hunter is, is not really you know, directly associated with the other two programmings. NXT is going to become its own entity on FS1. Fox really wants it, and it's going to go to two hours live. But there were rumors that Vince's uh, egotistical uh, nature, uh, basically, he wanted to put it head-to-head on Wednesday nights on FS1, which is not really going to do anything. I mean, it's just a stupid concept. But then again, on the flip side, Chris, going along with this, my brother told me that FS1 hosts, just like TNT with Tuesday nights not working out because of basketball, Uh, FS1 on Wednesday nights, they usually have soccer. On there a majority of the time. So unless they wanted to flip flop it on certain times, that doesn't seem reasonable. So most likely NXT staying where it is on the network on Wednesday nights, or if it's going to FS1, I would think they would put it on a Thursday night. Um, what do you think about this whole entire thing? The rumor, uh, what do you think is true, or even if it's not, maybe true. What what do you think would be the best outcome with NXT?
1: Well, I mean, the the thing about NXT being all on the network, if you can work out a deal where it's on non-basketball days or non-basketball games, you could still do a takeover or something and go head-to-head uh, with a TV show, if, if that's what Vince wanted to do. Uh, so I still don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I think that is a good point. I mean, the NBA right now is probably drawing about the same would, – would probably draw a higher rating than NXT um, right off the bat, so – That makes sense. I I wasn't aware that FS1 was showing basketball on uh, Wednesdays. I I don't keep up with the NBA as much as I used to. uh, You
0: might've got confused by my wording. Uh, I was using it as an example of why TNT didn't move uh, to Tuesdays for their show because they usually have basketball. Apparently FS1 for Wednesdays, why that rumor might be kibosh is because Wednesdays they have soccer on um, normally. Uh, So, NXT would have to probably move to Thursday, is what I'm saying. A lot of the rumor was Vince was trying to put the NXT show two hours live directly against um, AEW uh, on their night.
1: So I'm assuming that's MLS soccer. I mean, I guess you would just look and see who pulls the bigger rating if you're Fox, right, and shuffle things around that yeah. way. Um, more than anything else, I, I don't know what kind of ratings ML. I'm, I'm assuming it's MLS soccer, American soccer. Um, I have no idea. Or world-class. But uh, point being, if there's not anything going on on Wednesday, Vince can easily just promote it as a takeover or something instead of doing takeover on the network on Saturday. And then you pop a huge rating because more people watch takeover than they do the weekly NXT products. So I'm still not completely convinced they won't do something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be on FS1. You got FXX. There's – other outlets fx there's there's other tv outlets for vince to get that done um i i would have to look at their complete scheduling to give you where it could land obviously but you could you could easily say well if it's not going to work we could move it to one of these other subsidiaries or or whatever i think on fxx they just show movies and uh on Wednesdays at least, they unless always Sunny is back on there, but it they, they usually just show movies and the Simpsons on Wednesdays, if I'm not mistaken. But like I said, I don't have their programming directly in front of me. Um, you also have, you know, FS one, F S two, FXX, in FX. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility and that still gets
0: done. It's just crazy to me if, if Vince actually were to put NXT literally as a weekly show you know, pumping stuff into it, put it live, put it two hours, do a lot of stuff that the fans want, but just do it basically despite AEW to try to have something that's counter pro no, not even counter program, the exact same programming at the exact same time. Cause I don't think it's going to hurt AEW. If anything, it would probably end up inevitably hurting NXT actually having a main television show run because I think people, I love NXT and I'll probably watch both of them and have to fucking do what I did back in the day, just with my two televisions trying to go back and forth but that's i don't i don't think that would be a smart business decision is what i'm getting at
1: yeah and i tend to agree with you i think NXT is good because they're able to pre tape 4 weeks out and um you don't have Vince's hands in it and if he's got a live show i don't know that you get the same yeah <laughs> the same uh NXT show to be completely honest with you and i think part of the problem with raw and smackdown is that you have 5 hours of television that you book weekly uh, you can't build storylines out. I think if those shows were taped, they honestly would end up being better with better storylines. And uh, NXT has is, is kind of shown that you can do a tape product and be very, very good. Uh, but at the same time, Vince, when he, I, I know I read a quote earlier when he was talking about he made the mistake of letting WCW through the door and then the only reason that he even won that was the luck of the rock and Stone Cold. Like, that's something that he has said in the past. So he's Treating this as seriously as you can um, Yeah I don't necessarily know that that's great for NXT It is more WWE products I I just think That the fans are different Between the two shows I think people really enjoy NXT But uh, AEW also has A lot of fans that are New Japan fans Or Bullet Club fans and Indie, like indie specific indie wrestler fans So it's kind of a Definitely a weird Situation yeah, I don't
0: know how I feel about it just because I don't want it to happen because I don't want to have to, like, postpone to watch one over the other. Because if you give me NXT and you actually, you know, it doesn't have to be the level of production at on SmackDown, obviously on FS1. But if you give me a lot more into it, I'm going to be very excited about that. But if you put it on the exact same time, it's just – that sounds like Vince. It does sound like him, him flexing his muscles a lot. So it could happen. But yeah. we'll have to wait and see, like I said. This is a rumor? Yeah. Um,
1: and I, 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 like I said, I, I mean,
0: same as you, my biggest worry
1: is they're doing – at that point, they're doing, what, seven hours of live TV a week plus yeah. pay-per-views? Like I can't then, expect well, NXT even though it's not to be the live, same quality.
0: Even though it's not live, I would assume that Evolve would become the the jumping program at that point, and then that the, on top of that, they have – They would have evolved, you know, theoretically, NXT UK and 205 Live on top of all that for content, plus the pay-per-views, plus a takeover once in a while. And if they go on, and that's the thing, would takeovers increase if you you put this, you know, on television and stuff like that and make it a live thing? It seems like you'd probably want to do that. I don't want them to do that. I like the way that they do it with NXT. The only thing I really want is two hours. That's what I would like. And if they could, yeah. if that means that they would have to, you know, do less shows, but they, it's two-hour shows, you know, I don't know how many hours you go to an NXT thing. I'm going Saturday, so I'm excited about that, but, um, yeah, it's a very interesting concept, though.
1: What, what, what if you, instead of it, like, all right, so we have, you have the sports thing, right, where they can't go, they can't necessarily always go head-to-head. If NXT stays in a tape format, they can just delay that show and put it on whenever the hell they want. So a very good point. if you stay with that format, you stretch it out to two hours. You can still go head to head and have a really good product. Unless AEW is going to come out there and be like, "Here's the spoilers for NXT," which would be so fucking old hat. I think that would turn people off more than anything else. Especially if they like both products. Uh, there's no reason why Vince can't just do a fucking taped NXT on FS1 and delay it, just like you know WCW had to do deal with, deal with that uh, with baseball. Uh, on back on TBS, so it's, it's that's not out of the realm of possibility either. I don't necessarily care for NXT going live, just because I think it's it would what it would end up being is a clusterfuck because there's too much live TV during the week, especially if you're including 205 live, right? So I I just I would prefer them to stay taped, and if they want to go on there and do it taped, and you can do a tape delay or whatever if there's a game or something going on at the same time. And uh, you'll still get your head-to-heads, but they'll be different at uh, different times, and then you can catch both shows even if you end up DVRing one. Um, and yeah, whatever, however you work out that deal, also put it on the network so you can just watch it at the normal time. So then people have options. Like if you don't have the network, hey, check it out over here. If you do have the network, you still check it out here. I just don't want my I just don't want it to be limited on how I can watch it. Um, and it like head-to-head. Yeah, that head-to-head would be my biggest worry.
0: Uh, well, we'll have to find out, but, um, you know, keeping in with AEW news, uh, it was announced. They just added another match to all out. Uh, Um, these guys are just partners too. Uh, so it's going to be Darby Allen, Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc. And I'm, I, they haven't announced it, but I'm assuming this is going to be a hardcore match. Um, I just, you know, I I don't know why I would think that with the three of these guys, but, um, that's pretty awesome. And that's to add to, Chris, so far we have Jericho versus Hangman Page for the AEW World Championship, Kenny Omega versus Jon Moxley. Uh, for the, the the AAA Tag Team Champions, Lucha Bros are defending against the Young Bucks in a ladder match. Then we have Cody and Sean Spears, which has not been announced, but we're pretty sure that's that's going to happen. And then the Best Friends are going against the Dark Order. That was the last thing announced. Uh, pretty awesome card You know, This is the the anniversary of All In. Uh, I don't think actual date-wise, but this is supposed to be the next one uh, following that, if you will. So this is going to be a pretty big show, I would assume, compared to the last two, which were still fun shows. And uh, it's in Chicago, man. Um, Are you excited about the card? And specifically, are you excited about this match with the three hardcore uh, future legends, if you will?
1: I am excited about the hardcore match or what we think is going to be a hardcore match. Um, I hope Darby Allen gets a win out of this because I do think he is the bigger star of the three, especially the way he's been built so far, and uh, that would be huge for him. And I think that I think the crowd has really gotten behind him, uh, as opposed to like Janela uh, Janela and, and Jimmy Havoc. They they haven't really done a whole lot with yet, so I would assume if if I was booking this, Darby Allen would be the guy I would be putting over. Uh, The rest of the card's really good as well. I mean, Jericho versus Hangman Page, I think that'll be a really good match. Uh, I haven't been super high on Hangman since AEW started, uh, but he is capable of having really great matches, as we've seen in previous years in in New Japan, so I'm looking forward to see what he can do with an opponent that I would consider is a main event player. Uh, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, I think that'll be an amazing match. It's going to be... John Moxley is getting a lot of practice in G1 right now, so if he comes back and and uh, gives us kind of a New Japan match with uh, Kenny Omega. I think that'll be really, really fun. Lucha Brothers versus, you know, the Young Bucks is always going to be a good time. Like, I I really enjoyed their previous matches, both the AAA one and the one at Fighter Fest, I believe it was. So throw a ladder in there and put the titles on the line. Yeah, that'll that'll be cool. I don't expect the Lucha Brothers to lose this match because they just got the AAA title back. But, um, yeah, that'll be a fun match for sure. And it sets up the tag tournament, so I enjoy that. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Sean Spears. Uh, We'll see. I haven't seen Sean Spears really in a singles match since he left WWE. I'm excited to see what he can do for sure. And um, the best friends, I I just don't like either of those tag teams. I would have much rather it been (laughs) uh, 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 – why can't I think of his name? Fuck. Luchasaurus and um, Jungle Boy. I would have much rather yeah. thrown in the mix for this. Hopefully they have something on the card to do because I think they're, they're super over, especially coming out of that last pay-per-view. And uh, the match isn't added yet, but I'm assuming Austin Kong versus Aja Kong will be added to this card, which will be a hell of a lot of fun as well.
0: Um, all right, so I have two questions about All Out. Uh, one of them, with Tully Blanchard being in Sean Spears' corner, do you think that there's a possibility that we could see maybe Arn Anderson make an appearance in Cody's corner, um, or or someone else, maybe Dustin or whatnot. I'm just wondering that if it was Arn, I think that they, they could set up a pretty good storyline where at the end of it ends up being Arn screws over Cody and the three of them just, you know, boot the fuck out of him just to add some more heat. I don't know what you do with Tully and Arn after that. Uh, per se. But I do like the idea of Tully being a manager. I think that's really good. I'm hoping that he can flex his vocal muscles, if you understand what I'm saying. But, do you think there's going to be anyone in Cody's corner? I I would assume his brother's there, depending on the...
1: And and this may be a multiple-match build until the tag tournament, because I don't know if they're going to do something before October uh, 2nd. But I I would assume Dustin will be there. And maybe you do get Tully and Arn doing some, some shit uh, that would be very W that would be that would be almost too W C W for me if horn actually gets involved. Being that he hasn't done anything in, in years and years. Same with Tully. Uh Tully is a mouthpiece for Sean Spears. I think it's fine. Uh, we haven't heard Tully cut a promo in forever. But you would like to think that he's still the same Tully once he gets a microphone. So uh, I I would think definitely someone's going to be in the quarter, but it's probably more going to be Dustin just because the tag tournament's going on still. So that that would be my guess. Yeah,
0: like Chris Jericho. I, if if we're going to have a Blanchard, though, I really would love Tessa. But you know, obviously she's under contract. Um, the other question is because of their contracts being up with Impact, they've both been extremely quiet and haven't done anything. On the independence, Do you think that, you know, I I think it's more realistic, I I should say, for someone like a John Morrison to show up during the main event or one of the other, you know, big singles matches, because they're all pretty big matches, or LAX to show up during the tag match, um, you know, to make a presence felt. Do you think that that's a possibility, or, or do you think they'll probably, if they even have those guys, they'll put them in or sprinkle them in later on? Well...
1: With LAX, I would hope that you would announce ahead of time that they were going to be on that show. Um, same thing with Morrison, just because this is going to be a paid show and they just gave us two for free. But I could definitely see it for sure. And it, it, with uh, LAX, if they're going to, if they're going to, if they plan on doing any anything in AAA, it would make sense um, to interfere in that match. But yeah, I, I would love to see both of them. I I think they're good fits for AEW and what AEW is doing, specifically Moxley. I think that he's – or not Moxley, <laughs> Morrison. Uh, I think that he's a big name and kind of a former WWE star, but I don't want them to build their company necessarily around Poor that. Former WWE that stars. Yeah, but he, he's good enough that I could look past that in a lot of ways, especially knowing that he's wrestled yeah. in LA and a bunch of other places. So. Yeah, you could see both of them show up. If if it's me though, wouldn't you want to save that until October second when you already have kind of a stock uh, a stacked card?
0: It's a very good point. That's what I'm thinking too, and I agree with you, man. Um, you know, I was thinking about it uh, based off of something I saw online or something like that, and I, I'm with you. It's like I don't need to see a bunch of former WWE guys. You know, the Punk things of, uh, is is more of a fantasy than anything. Uh, that I just think fans probably, who knows, maybe we should just wait until this event, probably need to get over is what I'm trying to say. John Morrison, out of, out of, you know, it kind of goes back to what Chris Jericho about said about the WWE. There's like five people that they're trying to get from there. And that's about it. There's not a lot, you know, um, uh, Luke Harper. I'd like to see get a second chance. If they got a Sasha Banks that would help out the women's division, a great deal. Um, Rusev, they don't do anything fucking with, and he has so much personality. There's not... I'm trying to think of, like, anyone... Like, they already fucking signed the Good Brothers. They're staying there for a while. They they got the revival to sign again. You know, Finn's there for a minute. AJ's there, re-signed. None of those guys are going. So, it's like, there's probably five people I could think of, honestly, from WWE that I would want to see. I would want them to cherry-pick newer dudes or some guys, like a lot, unfortunately a lot of the guys on impact, uh, that are really good. Like I'd love to see Brian cage in AEW, Uh, but I, I think what they have is good. But I, like I said, I do agree with you that they, they, they don't need to have so many similarities to WCW and they don't need to have WWE's leftovers, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And, and much like you, I would love to see them grab someone like, you know, filthy Tom Lawler or, uh, you yeah, can get your hands on Austin Theory. Um, yeah, even go back and dig back, back into the Ring of Honor, or go back and grab some dudes from New Japan. There's,
0: there's other people I would probably to see. I know Marty and 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 uh, Flip Gordon are probably just waiting for their contracts to get out, so they can go to AEW. But uh, other than them, that's it from Ring of Honor for me. Well, I loved Jay. Jay would never go. Jay, Jay Lethal's staying in, in Ring of Honor for life, but. Uh, Yeah, that's unrealistic
1: with, I mean, with Luke Harper and Sasha Banks, they're fucked. They're not going anywhere for two years anyways, unless they hire like a really, really good damn lawyer. So that one's just completely out of the window, even though I would love to see Luke Harper do something else, but specifically like Luke Harper in New Japan could be absolutely insane, um, even more so than AEW. But Johnny Impact kind of falls out. He's been gone from WWE for so long. I don't even necessarily consider him a WWE guy anymore. So he kinda of followed yeah, out Mel is is similar because they've never really been there. Um and they, they made their name and Impact. So both those guys I don't have a problem with. I just I, I know that like any time a WWE name comes up, the immediate rumor is going to be AEW. And uh if you look at someone like, you know, Johnny Impact, he could he, who who likes traveling places, a good fit for him would be New Japan. Um especially like, you know, Johnny Impact versus The Rainmaker or Ibushi. (laughs) Those are fucking matches that sell themselves. So I I, I have no problem with him going either place. If I'm AEW and I sign these guys, I'm saving them, though. I don't necessarily know I want to blow my load on a pay-per-view that I'm going to have, you know, eight matches on anyways that's already got, you know, Jericho in a title match and Omega versus Moxley is going to be the thing that, yeah, like Omega versus Moxley is going to sell that card in general. Like Dean Ambrose right now is the probably the hottest wrestler in the business uh, as far as globally goes. So. Yep. Yeah, I I just don't see the need to. If you're not going to promote it, I don't see the need to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that completely. Um. We'll have to we'll have to wait, but you know, it's it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, and I get why people are like. Especially with WWE, there's a lot of guys like it. Like it, 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 I, as much as I'm gonna bitch about Samoa Joe later on, or someone like Kevin Owens, you know, if they're getting. I think they're fine. <laughs> like I, they're in WWE. If they want to get out, once a contract is out, they know how to fucking do that. I'm not saying that they're happy with their creative per se, but I want the guys that are struggling like. If they're going to get someone, maybe like Apollo Crews or something like that, to actually be able to get him to do something. Chad Gable, who, holy shit, last week put on a fucking a badass match with Jack Gallagher, sadly, to a pretty empty arena, but still got those people into it. you know. And, and I just look at that guy, I'm like, you are like, well, this is kind of funny because of where they decide to go with the storyline, but you are literally like a mini Kurt Angle. Like, holy shit. Uh, those are the guys. Rusev is someone that's a good example of that. That don't get that that are not they are completely underutilized, completely underlooked, and like I said, it's it's a couple people. The rest of them, you know, let them stay in WWE. Uh, Luke Harper, specifically for him, I heard that there are rumors that that he is uh, coming back on the road to wrestle, which is good. I'm hoping that they can work something out with them storyline wise to get him to come back. But maybe even though we're talking. That it wouldn't be a good idea, a, a a a good potential thing, if NXT becomes its own entity, and they, it's not just the the starting system, if you will, own show, two hours, live or not, doesn't really matter. Luke Harper and other guys like that might find home in NXT to be main stars there, since they don't get used on the main roster. Who knows? Um, Do you have any well, last with, statements before like, we move on?
1: The thing, the rumor about Luke Harper that scares me is that. I don't want it to be like, hey, we're gonna put him with Jack Force. Gallagher, and that's going to be our Jungle Boy Luchasaurus as like counter-programming. Oh God! And <laughs> I know I oh. haven't heard that. I, I did hear the rumor that he is coming. He's planning on coming back, but I really hope that that's not the plan for him. It's like, hey, we'll do our own Luchasaurus gimmick because it's not going to be as good. No.
0: <laughs> now he shined at that. That uh, thing they did on Mania weekend, where they had like people from Evolve, NXT, NXT UK, like he was one of the best people uh, on that card that they had. So, hoping that, yeah, we'll, we'll you know, put him in Evolve. I'd love to see Jeff. Like, Killian it. Dane just showed up, just showed up at NXT again, and I'm excited to have Killian Dane back on NXT. I know for some of the newer stars, it kind of sucks, but if if this happens, then you have Evolve has that type of program for them. It's the same exact thing. It's just a different feel. So like I said, we'll have to wait and see. Um, one thing that's still related kind of to AEW, uh, a- or uh, Pac, he just lost the Dragon Gate uh, champion, the heavyweight champion chip that they have there. The reason why that that's somewhat of a big deal is that was the thing holding him back from being able to participate within, uh, with an, with uh, AEW. So with him, not having the title, he couldn't lose that title. It was in his contract. Dragon Gate pulled this, you know, close to the pay-per-view that he was supposed to be on. Um, but it was, in his, it was in his contract. I get it. Now that he doesn't have it, I don't know how much time he has with Dragon Gate or what the deal is with that specifically, but I've heard Cody, Tony Khan, many people saying, no, 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 no. Hawk is still coming here. It's just a, a, you know a matter of when. That's awesome, because I think that Neville definitely deserves to take that mean, vicious Pac persona that he invented in the Cruiserweight division and really come full circle with it on AEW. And I'm sorry, I go back to it. Pac versus Kenny Omega would be fucking awesome. Chris, are you excited to see Pac possibly show up in AEW? Who knows? Maybe he will have some involvement in something and show up um I don't know. Maybe, maybe after Adam uh, loses to Chris Jericho, he comes up and beats the shit out of him for for losing to him before. No, I don't think he did lose. I don't remember what exactly happened. What, what do he think? I could I could see him screwing
1: over. I could see him screwing screwing over Adam uh, Adam Page for sure, or Hangman Page. Um, at, at all out because you don't lose anything from him not being announced. Because he was announced already. So people know he exists and he's going to be there eventually. So that would that one actually makes a little more sense to me than like an LAX or a uh, Johnny Impact, Johnny Gimmick name showing up. So I, I could definitely see that happening. And that's how you get the belt on Chris Jericho while keeping Hangman Page looking strong and setting up a feud. And then having Chris Jericho be able to go against probably either Omega or Moxley. Uh, because Hangman's gonna have his hands full with with uh,
0: Puck. Absolutely, and it's the uh, the Dreamgate Championship is the championship I was talking about. Yeah, very much looking forward to Pac doing some stuff with AEW in the future. Uh, another person we were just talking about, him, John Moxley. John Moxley going to be going against uh, Josh Barnett. At Bloodsport 2, it's for his wrestling league that I believe he started with, um, oh man, now I can't remember his name, Frank Mir, uh, called Game Changing Wrestling. Uh, I don't know if this is, it's an unsanctioned match, apparently. No, 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 never mind, it's not an unsanctioned match. I don't know if if this is the exact same thing where they take off the ropes and they do just more MMA-based, but... Uh, other people that have been a part of it and are looking to come back are Tom Lawler, Dominic Garini, uh, Jonathan Gresham, who's going to be going against Minoru Suzuki, apparently on this card. Uh, Dan Severn, Frank Mir, like I said, and the last one had uh, Barnett and Suzuki um, one night, and then Matt Riddle versus Minoru Suzuki. I need to go look up that match, by the way, Matt Riddle and Minoru Suzuki. So this is pretty cool. It's going to be on Fight TV. Um, I think it's Says Josh Barnett's Bloodsport Two will take place in Atlantic City on September 14th and will be available to stream on Fight TV. Chris, what do you think about this match? John Oxley seems like he's just trying to uh, do what, uh, do everything. You know, start a new company, go and be in the G1, go fight Josh Barnett in a UFC-style professional wrestling league. It's a lot of fun to see this happen with them.
1: Yeah, it's it. From what I know about it, I haven't. I haven't... Watched a whole lot of it, but I know it's a lot like Pride and, and, and Pancras uh, hybrid wrestling from the '90s, kind of what Ken Shamrock was known for before getting into UFC. Um, it's interesting. We've I've never seen you know you've seen Dean Brawl and stuff, and some of these are very brawl esque matches, but it, it is treated more like UFC, um, and he is taking on former UFC champion Josh Barnett. So that. That's exciting. I'll probably, I'll probably check it out. It's on Fight TV. It's not going to be that much uh, to watch, so it's definitely going to be worth a look for sure. It is weird. It does kind of seem like he's like, hey, I want to do everything that I possibly can now that I'm free to do it. Obviously, he built his contract that hey, way so he could do these the other days. It's like
0: uh, Cody Rhodes' list of uh, opponents that he wanted to have matches with after he got out of WWE, and he pretty much fulfilled almost all of them. So I wonder if, if if John Moxley has a similar thing, but just I want to do this in wrestling. I want to do this in wrestling. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and I I think that's awesome. And and you know the other thing is it's going to keep his name relevant. And anytime there's downtime between these AFC or uh, you know between G1, it's keeping his name and re- relevance in uh, America outside of just AEW. So he's indirectly promoting the company whether he's you know. whether he's directly doing it or not just by being out there and being on these different shows. So uh, I think that's awesome in itself and him versus Josh Barnett at Bloodsport, I guess it's Bloodsport too, right? So that, that, that in itself will be a lot of fun to watch. I kind of want to know what the rest of that card is going to look like, but yeah, it's, I'm excited for it. It's going to be weird because it's going to be like a shoot style. Um, You know, the ring doesn't have any ropes. It's, it's definitely something we've never really seen Moxley do outside of, you know, him brawling in CZW um, or, you know, having a hardcore match. So this is going to be, this is going to be interesting to see for sure. And, and how they work that match will be interesting. And if anything, it, all of this stuff that he's doing currently is making him a better rounded wrestler <laughs> with, with G1. And then he's going to do this, which is more of a shoot style. Uh, so that in itself is, is exciting specifically for uh, Moxley.
0: I just love the influence that UFC or MMA, I should say has put on wrestling as far as styles coming through. Josh Barnett is a good example of uh, training someone like a Shayna Baszler and, and uh, all these different superstars like Tom Lawler, like we've already talked about, um, you know, kind of changing up stuff, trying stuff like this, getting more into grappling. Cause I think grappling is, is just as important, if not more important than some of the acrobatic stuff that people do. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a very interesting time uh, that we have, you know, scripted MMA matches. Very very strange. Yeah, and, But uh, and
1: I, I like I like the idea of him getting that under his belt as well, and it, because it gives you something different in AEW if if he does kind of draw from that, because right now you don't you're not you don't have a ton of shoot wrestlers like whose gimmick is they're really good submission artist or. Uh, when you look at that roster it's mostly like your standard WWE plus a bunch of high spots uh, if you really look at that roster top to bottom so maybe this is kind of him trying to work that into a style which is really cool I mean the thing that makes me like Matt Riddle and people like Filthy Tom Waller so much is their style is a lot different than everything else on the card most of the time Uh, so like I said if this is just him rounding himself better as a wrestler then that's awesome and it is cool to see stuff like this out there and it's almost like there's two different mindsets of wrestling you have your wwe style or or i would almost say three you have your standard wwe style you have more of this ufc mixed shoot and then you have you know high spot guys and that's kind of where we're at in wrestling right now. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's, it's just unique to see each of these guys kind of go their own path. And and the people that are able to, to meld it together really well, um, obviously are going to be some
0: of the bigger stars in the business. Yep, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's move on. Uh, We had some other information come out. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Satin, um, of uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, reported Tuesday night, and John Pollock uh, followed it up on Wednesday that Trish Stratus is scheduled to be pulled to go against Charlotte Flair at SummerSlam. Now, I don't have a problem with this. This is a Legends match. Trish has kept herself in unbelievable shape. I, I think that she could put on a, a great match, and Charlotte could definitely is, is definitely the person to bounce off of uh, when it comes to that. My, I I just don't understand, because I think we have, like, what, two and a half weeks until SummerSlam? They're going to just try to, like, pull us out of their ass? I guess Trish is a big name, but I feel like at even this point, like, Charlotte's probably a bigger name to the general public than Trish is in today's age. So, I don't know. It seems like they would need more time to build this up. Chris, what do you think? I'm excited if it happens. It just seems like WWE not to have a lot of buildup, and Kind of put a match together for a pay per view, like Seth and AJ, for instance.
1: Yeah, and I I almost wonder if the buildup, unfortunately, was curved by Charlotte and Andrade being out for so long with those family deaths. Um, I wonder if that curved what they were going to do to build towards SummerSlam with Charlotte's character. But I know that she drops like she dropped a hint on SmackDown, basically saying she was the queen of all heirs and and she would want to face someone better than ember moon i think was the quote or i can't remember exactly how she worded it but uh you know trish's was is kind of been pitched as the the women's evolution before the evolution and and being the person that brought it to the forefront in a lot of ways her and lita so this match makes sense um last time trish was there she she did really well I, it could be a lot worse. It's a good thing to get Charlotte back on TV, especially if she's going to end up winning over Trish. I don't think this is a big deal. And uh, it could be a lot of fun as far as the match goes. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I It'll be – I can't – the last time I guess she wrestled was against was, – who was it, Alexa and Mickey versus her and Lita. It was like a year ago, two years ago almost. So it'll be interesting. Trish is in good shape. She's got the Trish Stratus uh, yoga program out there. So – I'm sure she'll show up ready to go. It it does suck that there wasn't more of a build to it, and it's and it's still not even officially announced. But um, the the Ryan Satin reporting it and John Pollock, they're they're both reputable sources, and it was reposted on F4W. So right. I, uh, this thing is pretty much, I guess, going to be going to be what what's happening. I'm surprised that Trish wasn't on Raw reunion, um, or on SmackDown in some form. But yeah, two weeks out, that's a pretty short build. But then again, it's Trish and Charlotte, and I think people will tune in just for that. So, who knows?
0: All right. So, um, there's one last thing I want to talk to you about before we start talking um, about Raw SmackDown and all that good stuff. And that was a rumor. This one, not so – I mean, I don't want to call out cage-side seats as not being the greatest of sources, but compared to who we just talked about, this is put on your rumor hats, basically. The rumor is that Daniel Bryan's announcement is that – I don't know how he's going to place it, like there's no one good enough to beat him on this, that apparently he pitched to Vince for him to go to 205 Live to pump that product up and have matches with a lot of the guys on there. We know that kind of goes into this rumor a bit that he was one of the main people that convinced Vince to bring up Mustafa Ali and that he wanted to have matches with certain smaller guys to elevate them and have a good match. So this kind of goes in Daniel Bryan's overall character. I don't know who – I mean, the concept of him and Drew Gulak having a match or him having that Cruiserweight title and actually, like, building that thing is great. I just don't know if it would actually work even with Daniel Bryan. If he has something where he can jump from SmackDown to 205 or they kind of bring uh, 205 like they used to back to Raw or SmackDown in some capacity, maybe that could be something worth it. I just don't think that Vince himself would want to put one of his biggest stars on 205 Live that he doesn't have confidence in. Although the rumor itself, I could see Deanna O'Brien actually pitching this because of his character. That seems like something that he would want to do. Chris, this is obviously a rumor. I don't think it's true, or or I don't think it's true. um, But, you know, just what do you think about it? All right.
1: I'm on the same page with you. The only way this works is if you have Daniel Bryan still wrestle on SmackDown um, and get meaningful wins on SmackDown while being your cruiserweight champion. You have, to, to make that brand relevant, you need to highlight those guys on your main product. And maybe they're thinking about doing that for Fox and integrating in the cruiserweights more and building weight classes. And, and they're going to try to treat that thing more like a sport, which would make sense. Um, but if it's just Daniel Bryan is going to be on 205 Live most of the time and not also on the main product, no one's going to give a shit. Um, Vince McMahon does nothing to promote <laughs> 205 Live on his primary product 90% of the time. The off chance you see a 205 Live match, I mean, the majority of the time you see a 205 Live, unless you go out of your way or you hear there's a great match, is on the pre-show of the pay-per-view. And Daniel Bryan's one of the bigger stars that they have. If anything, I think you – if you have him win the 205 Championship, he should probably also pick up the Intercontinental Championship and show that like people from 205 Live can beat someone of Nakamura's character and help elevate that belt. That's how you would book it if you were thinking about it, and you weren't WWE, but it's WWE, so I, I don't even. I mean, I'm not gonna buy into this rumor in general. I think they, that this entire thing is just going to be drawn out him pretending like he's got this big announcement and the announcement is going to be something really ridiculous. Um, but, you know, if you did want to do it and you wanted to try to get 205 Live popular, the way to do it is to have him hold two belts, get meaningful wins on both products, and put him against really good 205 Live talent like Chad Gable, um, Jack Gallagher. Uh, Drew Gulak, Tony Nese, g- help elevate those guys. But even when with sending Daniel Bryan there, they have to lose to Daniel Bryan. Um, you have to have Daniel Bryan kind of just win that title right off, and those guys be fighting for it. So you know that's he's a he's. A, it's going to be really hard to believe that Daniel Bryan gets beat by Drew Gulak when Daniel Bryan literally was has been a former and has beat like Batista and Triple H and Randy Orton. Uh, and like all of the guys that he has conquered at his size, um, unless you somehow build it where he's like a champion or he's winning on both brands and it makes – and and then at the same time, you have to have someone like Mustafa Ali winning and um, Drew Gulak getting meaningful wins. You have to have something to build towards, and my faith in WWE doing anything of that nature and making it work is slim to none. Uh, I, I just think that they're holding Daniel Bryan because they don't know what to do with him, and they're not necessarily thrilled about throwing him into a tag team. So the speech thing was just a way to, one, pop ratings, and two, give a delay on whatever they're going to be doing with him going forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. So it would be interesting. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, overall, will people watch it? I, I mean, I don't know. Will I watch it, and the diehard fan, if Daniel Bryan's on it? Yeah, I mean – but it's it's it, you would have to have Dan and Brian, like both of us said, on both products. If not, they're just wasting one of their biggest talents. Then again, like you alluded to, they don't have a hell of a lot for Dan Bryan to do right now. So maybe he was like, hey, let me go fucking help these guys out. These guys are some amazing wrestlers, which, like I said, is something I could see DB doing. But do I think this has any really weight to it? Probably not. Maybe it's about 205 when it comes to the weight. Ah! All right. Let's move on. Uh, one, actually, one last question because we, got, we found out Viceland is doing another season of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, second season. Big fan of the first. Do you have something specifically, something in wrestling, controversial or just whatever that they could go over as a story? I'll try to figure out something myself right now.
1: I mean, I think the big one that they haven't touched on yet, it's not really controversial but they've done, you know, the Von Erics, so it would be great for them to do funks. And go through, you know, uh Dory, Terry and Dory Funk Jr. and talk about their time in wrestling and everything they've done and all of their crazy stories and, and build into, you know, Terry Funk's legacy of even wrestling to the point where he's almost seventy. I think that would be a really yeah. entertaining one. Yeah, the the other one would be uh Mae Young. Since we've done Moolah, I think the Mae Young one would be great. Uh she's that's a really interesting tell in itself. So those would be those would be the two that I think of right offhand. Um, besides, like doing something kind of outside of the norm, which would be like Giant Baba or Antonio Inoki, which just exposing them more to the American audience who may just tune into this show, um, who are more familiar with the American wrestling product. I think that would be really really cool as well.
0: Uh, I don't know if I well. I don't think they would, but we don't really. There's two people I just thought of off the top of my head, and I don't know if you would really want to go into either of them. One's Brian Tillman. Tell a good, detailed story about him, especially through his, you know, troubles after he hurt himself and couldn't perform to the level that he was in WWE, and shortly after that died. Um, he has a pretty unique story. He was very influential with wrestlers of modern day. And you know, not just on not just on you know in the ring, but also his mic skills and, and the way that he did the character of the uh, of uh, oh man, why the hell can I think of his his, his name? Uh, Brian Pillman the fuck. I'm thinking of the time bomb. That's not it. That's not that that that's uh, doesn't matter. Um, but the murder of Ricky Dozen's another one. Uh, I could see them going through. He was a huge influential Japanese wrestler, probably one of the biggest when it comes to that. Um, and then, I mean, if, there's two that I think are too controversial. One of them is the Gawker stuff with Hulk Hogan, and the other one is the Chris La uh, situation. I don't know if they would do that, though. What do you think, Chris? I, I mean, the steroid trial would be great.
1: The, the loose cannon!
0: Sorry. Yeah,
1: the lose cannon Brian Tillman. Tillman would be great. Um, much in the sense of, I mean, when you start going down that route, it's almost like it leads you to Benoit. And are you gonna do a Benoit? Dark side of free, yeah, the yeah, I don't dark want want that. But I, you know, I. I could see any of those, uh, honestly. I I wanted to put a positive one out there. That's why I went with the funk family because I think that that's a story that you could tell. And I've recently been watching The Wrestlers, which is by the uh, the, the the same person who did the documentary of The Wrestlers also works on Dark Side of the Ring. And one cool thing it does is it shows a lot of different types of wrestling and goes into that. And I would love for them to bring stories from different countries and and uh, something that people might not know as an American wrestling fan, because a lot of the a lot of the stuff in the first season, if you're a diehard wrestling fan, it is a rehash of a lot of things that we've heard before and seen before. Some of it was new takes. Um, Gino Hernandez's uh, wife speaking and, and kind of the stuff they got into there. Uh, obviously, the Von Erich story, I think, was told better than it's been told before. Um, the Bruiser Brothers story, the I thought, Brothers. was really, really great. They could do they could do the heart family. Um I I would love for them to do more stuff like that and not just always it doesn't always have to be I know it's the dark side of the ring. It doesn't always have to be that <laughs> I guess I don't always need it to be super tragic. Um yeah, necessarily. Like you could I think like, you could tell a tragic Like if they did it, tell
0: if, If they did the Hart family, there's a lot of positive stuff that came out from all that, but I'd rather them do the whole Hart family thing than just do Owen's death. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need just an episode about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could do, you know, the Hart Foundation, or you could just do Owen and Brett. They've already done one on Brett, but like his story is kind of tragic as well. They didn't really get into the WCW as much as they could have after Owen's death, for instance. Uh, but I mean, there's tons of stories. It's I I hate that they termed it the dark side of the ring because it doesn't. You're gonna run out of things to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of negative, terrible things that happen in wrestling, but how many are worth putting on an hour long TV show about? Uh, is I guess more and and like with the funks with the funks you could tie it into you know, Terry, like Terry Funk's wife passing away recently. It doesn't always have to be, it could be something really sad, but it doesn't have to be like someone getting murdered or, or dying, of or suicide, a drug overdose. And I think that's kind of where this show eventually ends up, which is, it's kind of why I prefer The Wrestlers, the other documentary, because it It wasn't all negative, and there was a lot of cool, interesting things that came out of that documentary. But you know, death sells, so does sex and and drugs and rock and roll. But
0: um, it's it's a part of the popularity of of the true crime genre. You know that you know kind of scary. A lot of my female friends are obsessed with, which I'm just like, I I think all the girls are just going to murder all of us. That's what I'm assuming (laughs) Uh, with with the true crime stuff. Um, What was I going to say? You know, before we move on to Ron SmackDown, I wanted to give you the chance, you know, uh, do you want to talk anything about the G1 tournament? Maybe a favorite match from the last couple days. I know I told everyone last week we try to get more detailed. I haven't got a chance to watch much of it. I did watch that awesome match with Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada, which was fucking brilliant from both guys. I watched it with my brother. He was very impressed by it. I kind of was talking to him and kind of missed most of the Moxley, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, Ishii match, but definitely caught some really good stuff out of it. But what have you liked so far? And if there's not a match that I've mentioned, what, what would you recommend for people that haven't watched anything past uh, day three? Uh, well, just right off the bat, Will Osprey versus Kazuchika Okada, night
1: seven. Incredible match. Uh, as one would expect, uh, you had a lot it the fans really bought into osprey getting a win here after he he hits the stormbreaker the fans they went fucking absolute batshit they thought they were going to want a uh, win and then he picks him up for another stormbreaker wakata escapes two rainmakers wins the crowd goes dead silent They're not happy or sad but they're shocked um and that in itself was fucking great like It it was very good storytelling, as we would expect out of Okada. It's absolutely incredible that Will Ospreay is doing this after the next stinger where they thought he wasn't even going to be in the tournament. Um, Incredible match. Probably the best of the G1 so far. Uh, That was, like I said, I think that was, it was was the show from July 19th. It's either night six or, or night seven. Amazing. Definitely one to watch. The other one is. Moxley versus Ishii, and they beat the absolute shit out of each other. It really, to me, it, it made Moxley kind of stand apart from what he's done thus far in New Japan, showing that he can he can do more and and be a bigger character and be a bigger star in Japan. Um, both guys look super strong in the match. It was just a straight brawl the entire time. And, uh, Ishii went off the top rope, which is
2: very outside what,
1: of what Ishii would normally do. Yes, Ishii Ishi goes off the top, which is fucking insane. That was that was that one was night six for sure. Uh, so I guess the the uh, the Osprey Kazuchika was night seven. That one for sure you have to check out. And then um, I mean I know I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but Osprey and Abushi, which both these guys were supposedly injured going in. They had one hell of a match. Those are the ones so far to watch out of the top three. Um, tons of other good stuff, like Kenta versus Tanahashi was great, um, way better than I actually expected. Evil, Evil versus Abushi was way better than I expected, just because Evil kind of is there to be a fall guy.
0: Um, it all blends yeah, together, it, but I – Kota Ibushi and, um, and uh, Will Ospreay had a fucking great match as well. I don't know yeah, what night that, it was that on. Was, that, that was the one from night five. And it was –
1: that's both of them coming off an injury. And uh, I don't know. It, it was a safe match, but it was also terrifying knowing Osprey had a neck stinger and he was taking neck bombs. <laughs> but it wasn't anything as, oh, God. as crazy as what it normally is. Um, G1 has been awesome so far. I haven't paid that close of attention to – to uh, the to to the undercard matches, the tag matches. I haven't paid that much attention to them, but uh, yeah, definitely those three matches check out for sure. Osprey versus Okada on night seven, um, Moxley versus Ishii on night six, and then Osprey versus Ibushi on night five. Osprey has proven that he is a superstar coming out of um, if 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 people ever questioned it coming out of what he did in Super Juniors and what he's done thus far. in G1 is absolutely insane, so. Uh, those three matches were my top three go-to. And uh, right outside of that, the Tanahashi Okada match, while it wasn't their best from night one, uh, as I said you know, multiple times, it was still a very, very, very damn good match. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm mostly caught up, but Okada is still undefeated. So he's Rain, probably going to end up in the finals. So <laughs> I could see it end up... It, I didn't think this at first. I really did think it was going to end up being Ibushi versus Naito in the um, finals. But right now, as it stands, it definitely could just be Okada versus uh, Naito in the uh, finals, which would be fucking phenomenal. And uh, Naito could get the win, and they could do they could do some more stuff with Ibushi down the road. But that's kind of where it's looking like things are going based on. What I've seen of the G1 up to night eight, how the current standings are, and, uh, I mean, is anyone going to be upset if we get a Naito versus Okada match versus Ibushi versus Naito? Because I feel like Naito versus Okada is going to be a better match, especially in the finals. Yeah, Yeah. no one will die. (laughs) Walks up Naito because he's he's pretty much wrestling as a corpse right now after this G1, but... (laughs) um maybe he's saving all his gas for the finals we'll see
0: it's such a weird concept with 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 kodabushi and naito cuz naito has like that heelish dickhead demeanor you know kind of i wouldn't even maybe piper it, basically in in concept if you if you go by past wrestlers kodabushi is just like this wonderful baby face. So he's like this super baby face that you're an accomplished rusher, like a Ricky steamboat in concept. Can you imagine Ricky steamboat being super aggressive with Roddy, Roddy Piper to match and just dropping him on his neck a million fucking times. Like it's, <laughs> it, I love new Japan. It's so different though. You know what I'm saying? Like that,
1: I mean, that's their, that's the whole storyline is they're trying to show who is the best at that style. And I guess the only way it ends is if they fake break one of each other's necks and they, I mean, if it was WWE, one of the, one of the guys would have a fake neck injury and be done for six months or something. You know what I mean? But it's new Japan. So kind of feels like they're just going to keep doing it until someone actually does get hurt, which is unfortunate. So I'm actually, I would actually prefer if Okada makes the finals, Naito wins and that's our match at Tokyo Dome. And I don't think anyone
0: would be upset about that. Um, No, that'd be awesome.
1: But originally predicted, I had Abushi versus Naito, and, and Ibushi is still in it. Kenta is also undefeated at the moment, and I think that his next match is against Okada, so it could be Okada's first loss. We'll see what they're going to do, but I, I, that, wow. that match in itself will be a badass match. Two undefeated Hosses, and you get Kenta, who's just been running through this tournament, Having to tell a story with, uh, I mean, oh Kenta, god, that's is, so awesome! Yeah, and he's going to fall into the role of almost a shibata in the way they're going to work this match, which means oh, yeah. Okada is going to give us one hell of a fucking match for sure. Yeah, if, <laughs> Kenta, if he wants anything,
0: Okada's is amazing. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Okada is so good at bumping and feeding and just all the in betweens and just such an excellent wrestler. He's basically like, if you think about it, he's like a defensive wrestler. Like, obviously, when he's throwing his offense on, it's, you know, after he's had his comeback and everything, and then he just annihilates him at the end. But you have Kenta, who is good with off, with, with, with offense. You have Okada, who's good with defense. Uh, you know, Kenta, he he looks like he annihilates people. And a lot of times, kind of like Loki, he does. He's a fucking extremely aggressive. So those two are going to mesh well, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, very much looking forward to that uh definitely need to get caught up on G1 this weekend. I will be going to NXT taping in Atlanta on Saturday, so probably will be my Sunday treat to myself. But the thing is I'll be like it'll be like night 19 by fucking then. Like that's something yeah, that sucks. Like god, yeah. You're going to have to do me a favor and either send me a website that has like a list of the best matches or give me your opinions on a couple matches to watch uh past night 3 uh, at some point. But um anything from the G1 before we move on to Raw Smackdown, good sir.
1: No, just I'm looking forward to more of it. It's been amazing. I think it's been better this year than last year. I don't know that it was better than the year before. I know a lot of people are saying this is the best G1 ever. And uh, I think the best matches have been up there in the top echelon, but I wouldn't necessarily go as far to say it's the best G1 I've ever saw. We'll see how this thing plays out, but all of it's worth watching. Um, if you just stick to the block matches and you don't try to make it through each of the tag matches at the beginning, the entire G1 has been phenomenal. There's not been a terrible match in any of it. Even the, the funny matches with Yano have been really creative and good. Like, the, uh, like Naito losing to Yano was real fun. So yeah. even the stuff I normally wouldn't like, um, I found really enjoyable and thought they did a good job with. So high praise to G1. It's the best thing I've seen in wrestling over the past month, hands down. Uh, definitely worth a watch. For sure.
0: Now I will I will say that I don't agree this is the best G one. This is a, this is a really good G one tournament. But but if if you look at the G one tournament <laughs> over in 1997, I believe it was uh, the great Rocky Gabato. He went against uh, Sha Sha Sha. And
1: it's funny uh, that you did, uh, decided to do the Dave voice because he's one of the people saying that it's the best G one of all time. Uh, <laughs> he's also uh, he's also hard on the Osprey wagon right now and Osprey has been really great this tournament and Super Junior so I can't blame him too much but I'm still looking at Okada and going that's still the fucking guy like Osprey could yeah. be the future but Okada right now is still your fucking guy and the best wrestler in the world uh, I think, I think it's
0: because of Lil Osprey's age uh, you know obviously has something to do with that his performance rate is damn impressive and he's basically taking Kenny's Gaijin role like main about machine and he's also kind of Okada's protege so he has a lot of going for him uh, as far as a Japanese audience but yeah I agree with you I mean Dave, Dave gets very excited sometimes sometimes I completely agree with him sometimes I'm just like alright man like you sat, I, he, I, he, he comes off like Kevin Kelly when he's saying the Rainmaker sometimes you know like he's that excited
1: he just, Rainmaker! He just, he, like me, Rainmaker! Uh, Sorry to, to me he puts like Osprey, Tanahashi, Osprey and Tanahashi above Okada, and I'm like, I don't even understand how you do that when Okada has like two of your highest rating matches of all time, but like on a week-to-week basis, that's like his two go-to is the best wrestlers in New Japan, which I think is absurd, because I, I don't know that in my lifetime, maybe outside of early Ric Flair, have I seen someone better than what
0: Okada currently is. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely incredible. All right, well, you know, let's move to the stuff that Dave Metzler probably shat all over uh, that I enjoyed part of. Um, We had Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Monday Night Raw was a Raw reunion. Uh, Just to give people an update, if you're wondering, uh, apparently Paul has, you know, slowly started going into his role, taking over. This show, though, specifically, was an idea from USA To you know, get some ratings up on the network or up on uh, WWE, and it was a good idea. Uh, You know, it did go up 3.5, but that's because they had a bunch of fucking legends that they you know promoted for two weeks. So I don't. What I'm saying is I don't know how much control Paul had per se on this Monday. I know Eric has still been in meetings. He just moved from Wyoming, I believe. You know, he's been meetings and, and and meeting like the staff and everything. Probably something that Paul previously has. So he hasn't been a part of SmackDown yet. I don't know when they're both coming in. You know, maybe when the rumor was that it was going to be after TLC, it would actually make sense for them to be full-time by after SummerSlam since that's their, their summer WrestleMania. So could be, no clue, just wanted to keep you clued in on everything. I got a couple things I wanted to talk about specifically from Raw and SmackDown, and then we can kind of go more in-depth if, if we need to. Uh, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the stuff that I was thinking about talking about, you were also wanting to talk about. Not because I read your mind or anything like that, but you're thinking about the color blue right now, Chris. Um, all right, for Raw, Uh just some things of note. Uh, apparently, Psycho Sid Vicious uh, was supposed to be on it, and he canceled, I think it was, three days before the thing. The running joke is that it was first softball game. If you get that and you're a wrestling fan, I appreciate it. If you don't, it just might not be your generation. Now that we get past that, to explain to you why is because he canceled many events back in the day, last minute, while he was in WWE because of softball games. So that's a joke uh, there. Rikishi and also Pat Patterson were not medically cleared to be able to do anything. So they got a little bit of heat for Pat um, winning the title. Uh, which he's now the oldest professional wrestler ever to hold a championship at 78, which is great for Pat Patterson. First IC title champion and one of two people to have the hardcore and the 24 seven. Uh, but they got in some trouble for Pat. Rikishi was going to do a stink face. That's the reason why they, they didn't, uh, it's cause he wasn't cleared. They gotta be serious about that. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's just how it is. And Scott Hall, Uh, was not supposed to be a part of the toast at the end. He was not at least supposed to have a beer or anything like that. So I don't know if that was WWE against Scott Hall or whatever, but, you know, I think Rick was. There's a lot of people that have had problems that were in the ring with Stone Cold, but whatever, minor stuff. Let's fucking talk about Bray Wyatt. I've been wanting to talk about this shit, Chris, since, I mean, it happened last week. We didn't really get to go that much into it. I am obsessed with this concept. I think along with Moxley and also, you know, I think that KO is getting there too, just building himself. Like he's Bray Wyatt is one of those talked about things now in wrestling. His segment leading up to this, the tree, or the tree house of horror, (laughs) Um, his evil uh, playhouse. (laughs) God, I was about Uh, to say that. Uh, But um, his, his, his show is Peewee Peewee's playhouse, like on acid. has been building up, been great. He introduced The Fiend. He had The Fiend first show up and take out Finn Balor last week. This week, the only guy to put some newer talent over out of all the old guys, not saying it was really their fault because obviously Vince was the one, you know, dictating what happens and everything, was Mick Foley. And what did he do? He came out and he was going to go over his favorite moment in in raw history, which was him winning the title. And when he went to go do it, everything shut down, very similar to Finn, and we saw the Fiend in the middle of the ring. And he did the Mandible Claw against Mick Foley, which I totally think – I feel like – well, Mick can't take bumps, obviously. So it might have been Mick's idea to take the Mandible Claw, but I really feel like that might have been Mick saying, you should probably just take the Mandible Claw. It would be a great submission move that he could go to, and it looks like he's literally murdering someone when he was doing it to Mick. Uh, very creepy, very scary. We'll go over some of the stuff on SmackDown and leading up to what that will mean with him and Finn Balor. But initially, how are you liking The Fiend and where do you think this creative concept came from within Bray Wyatt's crazy skull?
1: Well, I mean, I know that Tom Savini was involved in some of the, not only the mask, but some of the creation of what they were going for, which I think is really cool. Um, Obviously, To me, this has shades of Paul on it with the hand down of the mandible claw. Uh, I think that's awesome because one of my big complaints about Bray Wyatt is that he wrestles the same match. He doesn't really come off of the heel in any of his wrestling moves. The mandible claw is a very terrible, someone shoving their hand in your mouth move, which is very heel. Um, Even though, you know, like when, when Mick turned it into a funny happy guy thing, it was because of Mr. Sacco, not because the move itself is pleasant. Uh, so I I actually really dig
0: that. I, I've dig,
1: I've dug all of the uh, Bray's Funhouse or Bray's Friendship Funhouse or whatever. I, I've dug all of those vignettes. I thought it was a good slow build. Probably would have pulled the trigger on it a little earlier, but it makes sense that they, they waited like they did. Um, not super thrilled about it being, I guess, Finn is the first opponent, right? Not super thrilled about that going right off the bat. I guess you know Finn's done after SummerSlam, so if it's going to be Bray just destroying Finn and then Finn comes back as the demon after his time off, then it makes sense, I guess. Um, But yes, I mean he he's consistently been the best thing on Raw for weeks now, uh, as far as like video packages and wanting to see what he's going to do. Is he ever going to go back to the happy? bray that we saw there is is that we're going to get some promos from that bray is he going to switch it up or is he just going to be the fiend and if he's just the fiend i'm completely fine with that as well um but yeah just great stuff all around with with what they're doing with bray wyatt and very very fresh and it's something that i wanted for him for a long time like getting outside of just the we're here Here's the slow music. here's everything. I love the production on it. I love like the weird sounds that it makes when he crashes the video screen. Um, the entire thing seems like they've they've actually thought out a storyline for a character and are executing it, which I really, really appreciate. That's not something I can say for WWE week to week, but for this particular character and what they're doing, uh, they've done a really, really good job with the only part. The only thing that I would say they've done a, a like just as good of a job with is Kopey winning matches after Mania and the way he's been winning matches, but like booking wise, that's the two best accomplishments they've had since Mania.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, just, uh, just awesome stuff, man. I, Bray is very hard to figure out, uh, you know, because all right, a lot of people thought that the cult leader concept. I know a lot of people thought, you know, maybe Kevin Sullivan or Kevin Sullivan, and uh, later on, obviously when he became the eater of the world, uh, you know, much more Undertaker. But he told Stone Cold straight up, Waylon Mercy was his biggest influence on his character, because uh, Waylon Mercy uh, obviously did like a Cape Fear style you know, villain back in the early 90s, um, Dan Spivey, who very ahead of his time, just in a bad era of wrestling, basically. So it can come from wherever. I know that Bray's a huge comic book fan, huge horror movie fan. Obviously, Tom Savini, known within horror. I feel like just based off of two people that I know that Bray's a huge fan of within wrestling, one of them being uh, Mick Foley, a.k.a. more so with Mankind, And one of them being Sting, more so with the Crow Sting, at least for this perspective of concept. Um, It's kind of like if you take the Crow Sting, in essence, and you strip away the Batman and Crow vigilante concept, and you fucking feed in Pennywise and the Joker, and like take that shit and shake it up and put it forward, you know, that's what this fiend is. He comes out out of nowhere, he's silent, he takes out his opponent. But very different from any of that, kind of more mankind-esque. You flip it, and it's the happy Bray Wyatt on the monitor where he's doing these these nice little promos, and he comes off like a baby face. Really, this all could be like an homage to Doink. We really don't know. I just think it's brilliant, and I think that the effects they are doing, everything, is awesome. I would keep on doing it, and after he takes off Finn, I'm very excited to see who his uh, next – victim is, per se. I hope he strips the demon away from Finn, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, some crazy I, I, shit.
1: I, I really, really enjoyed this shit in, in a lot of ways because it is something different, um, not only from WWE, but something different from all of wrestling. There's nothing else like that right now um, out there, and I think that's why it stands out as it's so special. I like the I, – I want the puppets to still show up in scenes. And maybe build back to that character, and after he demolishes Finn Balor, give us another fun house. You know what I mean? Like uh, if he kills Bray Wyatt in yeah. SummerSlam, which yeah. is looking how it does, then do the fun Bray Wyatt again, but not for his matches. I think the Fiend should always be the person wrestling, um, and then Bray killing people and talking about it, and maybe even making little fun puppets of them. <laughs> Like, oh, I would love that. In, maybe make a fun little Finn yeah. Balor puppet for a while until Finn can come back I, I think there's a lot you can do with this and and my biggest like, like I said my biggest complaint about Bray is, is what he does in the ring but with that mask and getting the mandible claw I think that they've done enough to turn me more into a Bray Wyatt fan I just always wanted him to do more I wanted him to gouge people's eyes out and like he's supposed to be this crazy cult leader figure that kind of wants to watch the world burn, and I want that. And now that they've given him this character and this mask that he can kind of be behind, he's in, he seems like he's in much better shape. The mask is awesome, by the way. I like. I I'm glad they gave him something that he can wrestle in, <laughs> and they went to the right yeah. guy. They got it does, you know, they went to Savini who does Slipknot's mask, and you be like, oh well, I don't like Slipknot, and I was like, yeah, but they do perform like two hour shows in masks. So, getting a guy that can make a mask where you can actually perform in it for you know yeah. ten to fifteen minutes in a match is a huge fucking deal. <laughs> um, so I, I think that in itself is is just great. I'm super excited going forward. This is probably my highlight of RAW uh, outside of uh, obviously Stone Cold, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But um,
0: bam, bam, bam. Wow. just
1: <laughs> I I loved it. I I can't gush over what they're doing with Bray enough. Hopefully they don't make me regret it, but my assumption is he's killing Balor at SummerSlam. Balor is going to be dead, sent home for whatever his time off period is, and uh, hopefully he kills someone else next. He needs to be just taking rest. Anyone who needs a vacation, like, what's Rusev doing? He's on vacation. Bring him back. Have fucking The Fiends kill him. (laughs) Just (laughs) anyone who doesn't want to be there, like, Harper. Luke Luke Harper, he, he's coming back on the road. He wants to be on vacation. <laughs> Have the fiend kill him as well. Like keep that going. Make him destructive. make him like really Russia put Bang. people out. Don't, don't, don't everyone, don't.
0: Uh, everyone <laughs> yeah, is mad sure. at the company.
1: Sure, why not? I mean if you're if they're I mean if you can do that, use him. Like Dolph Ziggler, what's he doing? Like get <laughs> Killed by Bray. Oh, just anyone they're not using have Bray kill them then they can go on a vacation and they can come back and you can just be like well Bray Bray's an absolute monster right now Yeah, build him up to something special like they did with Kane and The Undertaker you do it right especially with his ability to cut a promo as this happy character also while talking about murdering you're like Zowie Wowie I didn't mean I, I didn't mean to do that like with a highlight reel and something in the middle of it hell yeah dude I'm stoked on this. This should be the hardest thing for them to fuck up, and that makes me worried that they're
0: going to fuck it up, which is sad. God, man. Uh, Well, I'm excited, and we'll talk more about the Finn and Bray situation uh, when we get to SmackDown, but yeah, this is pretty awesome, and like I said, consistently the best stuff. I wanted to talk also, let everyone know that as much as I thought the whole fucking – the OCs versus the OG segment would kind of defeated its purpose, now that I know that Seth Rollins wasn't supposed to be that person. It was actually supposed to be Ricochet, but he had a staph infection that kept him out of action basically. Um, so that would have actually helped him out a lot. They had to go with what they had. Um, I love seeing all the quote-unquote OG, OGs. I, I liked – Road Dog making reference to Billy, like, oh, crap, I, I, I forgot Billy. Like, you know, that was kind of funny, cheeky.
2: I didn't know <laughs> why the
0: NWO didn't have their own music. That was kind of weird. You know, you think that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are not delegated to, like, uh, behind. Like, I love Sean Waltman and, and Road Dogg, but, you know, I, 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 I don't know. But they were all there. They came out. They beat up – or. I don't remember even if they got beat up. I just thought it made the OCs, which is a terrible, terrible name. Great design for T-shirts, but the original club. All right, the OC was. Does 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 Vince McMahon not know about the OC? Like I never watched it, and I know who <laughs> it, Adam Brody, it, Misha Barton, it, fucking Ben McKenzie, all are.
1: It's better um, than you know, Crimson Grimes or <laughs> the Viking Experience. So I'll give him I'll give him experience. that at least.
0: <laughs> but um regardless it sucks that Ricochet wasn't in the, this position I think it would have probably helped him out a lot. Um but you know Seth was there they made him an honorary DX member he told everyone to suck it. It was fine. I just wish that it would have been it would have been awesome for the quote unquote OCs to clear house and beat the shit out of all the legends and get the upper hand. Uh, even if there's a difference in people. Some of those guys, if you take out their fucking leg, they're done. So that's all I'm trying to say. Still, it was, it, it is what it was. What did you think about the segment itself, the fact that Ricochet was supposed to be a part of it? Did you have a problem with, you know, uh, the club getting – I'm not going to call them the OCs anymore. The club um, getting, you know, or, or I should say the OGs getting the better of the club. Uh, did you wish that that was reversed?
1: I liked that at the end, AJ threatened to come kick their ass in NXT because that basically
0: saved them from looking like complete geeks. I hope they do something with that though. I don't think they are. It, I I don't either. But just the threat alone, at least at
1: least like AJ must have gotten the script and was like, "Well, I gotta at least threaten them, right?" So at least they didn't look like complete geeks. And there was like ten fucking people, even though like. Anderson could probably destroy 90% of them by himself (laughs) outside of Seth. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I, you know, it was a fun spot. It would have been better if Ricochet was there, would have meant a little bit more to their story, which they're still going with. Um, Sucks, he's got that elbow infection. That's, that's terrible. hate to hear that. It's just, I don't like Seth doing things with Triple H. I, I hate it. That like that my biggest thing about this is like he hates Triple
0: H. He's supposed so to. He
1: he put stuff through a table. <laughs> like he beat Triple H at Mania. So unless the in the payoff of him doing the shield thing with Triple H in Japan and this with Triple H is him turning heel again. I don't wanna see those two anywhere near each other. Triple H is still a heel. Like <laughs> He just... I mean, I guess Batista was supposed to be a heel in that Triple H feud, but did anyone really buy that? Like, no. Honestly. He's drafted so, a destroyer.
0: Give me a fucking break.
1: Yeah, like, I don't fucking... I. So that was more of my, my big problem with it. Uh, by the way, I didn't get to talk about the Pat Patterson thing. I just want to speak on it real quick. I loved that homage because one of the funniest things ever was Pat Patterson winning the title, and... Briscoe showing up to celebrate with a bottle of champagne and then cracking the bottle of champagne over Pat Patterson and getting the pin for the win and running off with the title back in the nineties. I think that was like, that may have been 98 nice either. I think it was 98 early 99, but it was absolutely fucking phenomenal. And I'm glad they paid homage to that. A, A real wrestling fan, either Pat Patterson and Gerald came up with that idea which I'm hoping, but that was like they were always great with the hardcore title. So like from the early part of Raw, I just I just wanted to give a call out on that. I, even though he couldn't do any wrestling, I did really like that they gave him the title and had that spot just for a nostalgia factor for me. So if you haven't ever seen them do the hardcore title shit, watch up like Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe repeatedly fuck each other for the hardcore title. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Please
0: these poor guys that are two huge legends of their time period. The first IC champion, you know, one of the Briscoe brothers, and they were delegated to the Stooges, but still just owned up to it and did whatever the fuck they had to do to get over and get the product over. I love both of them so much. Um, We'll talk about 24-7, but I had a couple other things I kind of wanted to get around to. Um, I... Dude, this had great matches, uh, at least match card-wise, you know, set up on it for the most part, uh, except for a couple. Yeah, we did uh, Usos and Revival. They've been doing it a million times, and that's what sucks. It's like, Usos and Revival, we wanted that. We wanted that. So what does WWE give us? They shove it down our fucking throat until we don't want it anymore, and it's just kind of fucking silly. But other than that, Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe could headline a pay-per-view. Raimundo versus Sami Zayn is a big profile match. Seth Rollins and AJ Styles—that was nothing. It was all fucking bullshit, basically. So I understand. It just—it just seemed like those 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 match matches that they they made that should have been great matches were just for show for you know a show with a bunch of legends on it to. It, it kind of sucked is all I'm trying to say. Did you feel the same way with some of those matches? Especially Sami Zayn and Rey Mysterio. Like, give me fucking 20 yeah. minutes of that.
1: I mean, dude, El Generico and fucking Rey Mysterio? Are you kidding me? That would have been amazing. Like, they just actually... If they were going to do one match on this show, that should have been the one that didn't need anything else on it. Just, like, had the match. And, like, you could still have Rey Mysterio win. Like, I, I don't know. I, I get what they were going for. But you could have just... Put all of those guys in another segment earlier with the Street Profits or even backstage. I like that. That match could have been the thing to carry the show. All the matches on the show, let's just say we're like you said, just there to fill the fill the nostalgia and like highlight older guys, which sucks. So like if you were hoping to for someone to get a huge rub off this, the only person that did anything like you said to put anyone over was Mick Foley, which to me has like Mick and Paul's hands all over it. As far as what that, how that was designed, um, but yeah, like none of the matches were were phenomenal. I will say whoever was in the squash match with the the Viking experience, um, or no, not no, it was the Braun match. the uh, The jobber yeah. in the Braun match was fucking awesome. He was taking bumps all over the place from Braun. He was going like
0: four oh, feet getting a
1: back bump. Just one up
0: so much, man. He's probably gonna <laughs> make so much money this next two weeks.
1: Like, if you were ever going to get your ass kicked by Braun Strowman, that's the way to do it. Because he looked fucking incredible. So, shout out to the And that's jobbers. how you do Braun. <laughs> we want to see Braun destroy <laughs> shit and kill jobbers. Please let him keep on doing that. Jesus. So, my favorite, my favorite two matches were the fucking squash matches, honestly. Because, one, they helped propel those, those two characters and gimmicks. But like also, the guy taking those bumps from braun was fucking awesome, and no one's ever gonna talk about that except for me, but like he was getting
0: tough so hard.
2: Dude,
0: <laughs> I'm gonna beat amazing. this guy and
1: I'm gonna beat this guy in nine
0: seconds. watch, okay, Braun. Jesus Christ, that man uh, so uh one thing I did note Samoa Joe and, and Roman reigns, they had a good match. Joe lost again. I've heard Joe a multiple outlet saying that he's towards the end of his career, whatever they want me to do, I'll do. They know that I'm I'm good at what I do. I you know, i I basically I'm enjoying my job trying to reassure fans of his that since he hasn't gotten the title, don't fret. He's you know, he's doing his thing basically. Still, at the same fucking time, man, it didn't make any sense for him after losing the title the US title to Ricochet to then go in a program against Kofi for the heavyweight title. That already didn't make any sense. But then he loses the Kofi, and now he just lost Roman. I'm pretty sure he just had a loss between another big guy recently that I can't put my finger on. But well, I it mean, sucks. he
1: technically lost. So he lost on
0: SmackDown too, right? So, well, no, that was that was that was. I mean, it was a DQ, but yeah, it's, uh, it didn't make him look good at all. I, I just. Smojo is is arguably you could you can make a point that Samojo is not only the best the best in ring wrestler like skill wise and and you know just being there you know you could also make an argument he's the best person on the mic, so overall he's one of your best fucking wrestlers. This seems obviously I think the skill level is a little bit different, and I think they have pushed Samoa Joe so i maybe I shouldn't make this comparison, but it's very similar to me to how they treated Paz where they had him come in. They had him beat Triple H, they had him have a good match with Kurt Angle, and then they had him have that weird angle where he started going after JR, and then slowly after he got injured shortly after that, and then it was done. And he was one of the biggest stars, along with Rob Van Dam, to come out of ECW. Um, and he was this killer. He was this submission killer that was good on the mic. They never even gave him that much mic time. He did that a hell of a lot better once he was an announcer, along with Michael Cole on SmackDown. But... You know, Samoa Joe is one of the best wrestlers in this generation. I understand that he doesn't have the perfect fucking body. But, dude, I mean, it's 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 really frustrating. And I know it's going to be more frustrating for you because you're even a bigger fan than I am because you've been watching him throughout his whole entire career.
1: Yeah, it, it fucking sucks. And what I would say is that he fell into the default Kevin Owens position because before then they had Kevin Owens to do what Samoa Joe is doing right now. Go cut a heel promo. You're gonna be the heel in this program. You're gonna take a loss. That is basically what Samoa Joe is doing. They don't know how to do anything other than that with with guys like Samoa Joe or Kevin Owens. They're like, they're really great in the ring. They go out there and they have a good match. They can also get over on the mic. We're just gonna have them do that. So instead of having Joe legitimately kill people and be pissed off like he was in Impact or Ring of Honor, they just have him doing I'm I'm a heel just because without like any payoff on anything. The only the only like real payoff they've given us with Joe is uh, I guess the stuff he did with AJ Styles, and that was fine because AJ, I feel like, is a bigger star than Samoa Joe on the brand, even though Samoa Joe built that entire program with his promos, and he kind of built the Kofi program with his promos. The guy's fucking great on the mic and one of the best in-ring workers, even though they have limited what he can do in the ring, but he is just relegated to... What like I can only refer to as the Kevin Owens role, because that's what they did with Kevin, which sucks. Samoa Joe is one of my favorite wrestlers. If if I if I'm Joe, he's probably just sitting there counting the fucking days until he either resigns or doesn't resign, and that would be a hard hard thing to think about, especially when there's competition out there. Like S- Sammy and Kevin are resigned. Joe hasn't resigned since he signed that NXT deal, so I don't know how much time he's got left on his contract, but, like, if I'm AAW and Samoa Joe's just sitting out there, but yeah, shit. Maybe that's the one shit. you bring the big contract to.
0: Tell ya. Fuck yeah. I completely agree with you. Uh, all right. Well, there's two more things from Raw I want to talk about. One of them we kind of already went into. That was a 24-7 title, and this went all over the place, and McFoley won the piece of it. You know, everyone was talking about the 24-7 title. Um, it started off... With, uh, obviously, the champion, Drake Maverick, showing up to the arena. The Hurricane, Shane Helms, tried to get the title. Was the only person the whole entire night that didn't, get, didn't win from a, a pin attempt. Like, God, poor Shane Helms. You can't, what's up with that? You know, Shane, what's up with that? Our um, truth got it, though. And uh, then from there, I think Maverick got it back. Then he got scared by Boogeyman, and Patterson, Pat Patterson came up, kicked Maverick a little bit, and then uh, pinned him with his foot. Awesome fucking scene. So stupid. Um, so then they go back. Right, uh, Pat Patterson was another person that they didn't get cleared. So the re- that's the reason why you never saw Gerald Briscoe taking down Pat Patterson. So they just kind of came back to it. Gerald got Pat Patterson. He's like, oh, oh, I want it, I want it. And then gets completely taken advantage of by Kelly Kelly. Uh, It goes from Kelly Kelly to Candice Michelle, who had on a very amazing outfit, uh, because Molina apparently has been trying to become a referee in her spare time. Then Alundra Blaze got it and said that she was going, that uh, if if they wanted a title, they would have to do it soon. I thought she screwed up because she also called it the uh, 24 title. But, you know, shit happens. they, They recreated that thing where she threw the title away Uh, in WCW. Ted DiBiase came out, bought it from her, and then Drake attacked DiBiase in his limo after he was leaving, Um, and then Truth jumped in, took out Drake Maverick after he was about to leave with his wife. Uh, Truth jumped in the limo with his wife. Drake's left with Carmella, and R-Truth is with his wife off to wherever. I hope they keep on running with this, and I kind of hope that the pairing now switches for a little while. This title is so stupid and dumb, but it's one of the most entertaining things that they have, and the fact that they have the Stooges involved, Pat Patterson being now, like I said, the oldest champion in WWE history at 78, pretty fucking fun, and I loved it, especially the Gerald Briscoe's expression after he beat Pat Patterson.
1: Yeah, it's almost like USA is better at booking than WWE since they basically created the 24-7 title and then created a Raw Union show. And then they just had all the old guys win the fucking the title. <laughs> who's, at, who's at USA? Who's booking the shit? Is it the guy that wrote Suits? Can we put him in charge? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean I'm not trying to be a dick but both of those ideas were USA's ideas they weren't WWE's ideas like even the 24-7 title was USA's idea and it has been one of the most entertaining things on the show and most of that is just because Drink Fabric and, and R-Truth have been carrying it and I do hope they do the switch like you said I think that would be funny if R-Truth is on a honeymoon, like no one can win his title because he's, he's on Drake Maverick's honeymoon. Because it's not like R-Truth going there to get laid because he's our truth He's just fucking R-Truth, you know? Like he's just hilariously wherever they go. They should send them to different places with a title for a while and just have that be the gimmick. Pat Patterson and, and Gerald Briscoe winning it. Hey, man, everybody's got their prize. That was great. A trash can spot, I didn't care that oh. much about because that just reminds me of shitty WCW things that Eric did. But, like, I, I thought overall that was a really fun way to get the legends involved. And we didn't have to rely on, like, fart and dick jokes, which is what I was assuming it would actually be was fart and dick jokes the entire time. So I, I really enjoyed the 24 7 segment. Tons of title changes.
0: Like you said but a lot of fun overall. Yeah, I loved it. Another thing I loved, complete nostalgia. The last big thing that happened, I think, at this rock. So we had all the legends come out. Some of them, probably not as much legends as others, but whatever. Then you had Flair come out, who they didn't have talk at all, which is very strange, because had Hulkster come out and talk. That was a little bit, a little weird, but whatever. Of course, everyone was there. I'm like, oh my god, we got fucking six minutes left. What are you doing? Like, like, all right, come on, brother, we'll wrap it up, brother, let's go. And then the glass hits. Austin comes out. <laughs> he didn't. So I don't know how the hell this works out with him and Vince. I guess at this point, it's like they got they got Austin to come in, so they're not going to bitch about anything that Austin does. Obviously, did not have a script at all. Apparently, was nervous. He even admitted it in the ring. You know, he didn't. He didn't think of anything. He decided to come out talking about the, his brothers and sisters and stuff like that, and just asking for some Steve Weisers, plugging his new beer, um, Broken Skull IPAs, and then he got everyone to come in the ring, and they did this cheers, and it was great. It was so much fun. And then the funniest thing is after Austin's really trying hard to like, you know, to 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 be that stone cold. Uh, he finally just realized they should just have fun with it. I think that kind of turned off after a little while. He was trying to do it. Then he starts doing the what's with the audience because that's what they want, and he just kind of starts playing that up. And they kind of shows us not so much the rattlesnake, but more what we've been getting used to. This same guy, but much more you know, kind of easygoing uh, version that's on this podcast. The real Steve Austin. And At the end, I'm sure I'm sure fucking Vince wanted to, like. Just just fucking hash Because he's like, How much time we got? Oh, okay, we got we got two more minutes. All right, well let, let me tell you a story about something. Joe Briscoe. Joe Briscoe and me, we were in we were in South Africa. I think we were doing stuff that's illegal. I don't remember shit. And it just let out the S bomb. Somehow Austin was able to let out an S bomb thirty seconds before they go off there. but finally got it. The cameraman told him they were about to go off and it was great. Well, I fucking love Stone Cold. Look, all I'm saying, if you want me to really, really love Raw, if you're gonna do another stupid fucking General Manager, get a big truck of money and back it up and fucking, uh, you know, in, in the Broken Ranch, and get Austin to come in for a year and just do some amazing hijinks and fucking be the GM or sheriff or whatever the fuck for Raw. It would, I think, I think it would really help. I think that's what this kind of showed. Sadly, they don't have a lot of superstars. They just don't. The ones that they're building are still not the same level for wrestlers that haven't been in the game for almost 20 years, like Steve. So maybe it wouldn't be a good idea, idea to have him as a manager, but he'd definitely help, <laughs> I think, and they definitely need to develop their talent. One of the biggest takeaways from this is Mick Foley was the only guy, like I said, old-school wrestler-wise, that put over some newer talent. That's kind. Of, that kind of sucks in a way. I do wish that they had the thing with Steve. As much as I love this, if you had an ending where Shane tried to interrupt it and came out and started bitching at people, and then Vince came out and first started using you to tell off Shane, and then he started bitching at people, then the glass hits, he comes out, KO comes out through the audience, and they both square them off in the rain. Maybe Austin's distracting them, and then they both stunner them, drink a brewski, that would have been fucking awesome and great for Kevin Owens. I'm just, I, I can see people be like, well, don't, you can't associate him too much with Austin. He's doing the fucking stunner, man. KO is an Austin fan. You know, Killsteen Kill, that version, the, the NXT version of Kevin Owens was much more Austin-esque. That's always been in there. The comedic side, yes, that has been too. But this is definitely something that he more, much more relates to. And it would have helped him. I'm glad Bray got the rub. I feel like others should have gotten the rub. But I love Stone Cold Steve Austin regardless. Chris, how'd you feel about the ending and hearing about the story of him and <laughs> and Joe Briscoe doing illegal shit in, in South Africa? <laughs>
1: well, it would have been I thought it would have been great if they all got into the ring to do the toast and Shane came out and then Kevin just stunned him on the stage and just walked out and that was it. You don't even need the rub. It's just he fucking hates. <laughs> Shane McMahon, and then you get a had Steve Austin do, you know, whatever afterwards. Uh, this sounds like what he said he used to do at house shows, where he just said whatever the hell he wanted at the end of the night is a goodbye, good home, or goodbye, good night, go home kind of thing. And I was completely fine with it. And you know what? The problem, like you said, the problem is, and we pointed this out for forever putting anyone in the ring with Stone Cold, they're never going to be Stone Cold. Like as of right now, they do not have anyone on the same fucking planet. And if they bring the rock back, it'll be the same thing. Um, I don't know how you make that guy. Cause it's like the luckiest thing in the world that you get that wrestler, but it, it was very obvious that Stone Cold was the most over person on the show who cut the best promo and hell looked like you could beat the shit out of half the roster. So like, <laughs> that's, it's uh It's it was awesome. I'll just say that it was my. Uh, besides the fiend, because I like that because it's current. He, product, he still looks great, my, by the way. Yeah, like he still looks like he could kick your ass. And I'm looking forward to his show coming out <laughs> on August 12th, whatever that show is, where he's running over <laughs> God damn. comedians
0: and stuff. <laughs> uh, looking forward to that as well. Goddamn, Joe Briscoe, man. Me and you. <laughs> what the fuck was that? What That's did he awesome. say? And I, hung out,
1: hey, I hung out with Rick all night last night. Went back, had me.
0: He's one like, one. and this man Hulk Hogan right here, we've never really <laughs> hung out too much, man. We went and got sushi. We went and, we went and did this. And I never hung out with them too much. Me and Rick, man, we dr- it's I awesome
1: wonder if Hulk awesome, got man. mad at the sushi comment because if you remember the Hulk Hogan like video that was released, he was like,
0: oh, I feel bloated. I just ate all that
1: sushi, brother. The sex tape. <laughs> I don't and know. I wonder I wonder if Austin was like actually poking fun at him or if they actually went and got sushi. And then if they did go get sushi Ugh. in the back of my mind I was wondering how
0: bloated does Hogan feel
1: right now? Scale one to ten.
0: I saw someone put a picture of it was it was pretty funny in retrospect in a very dark way, but it was like Booker T like sizing up Hulk Hogan in the background. Um but I will say that actually doesn't make any sense because Booker T's been one of the only guys that have been, you know, trying to help Hogan get over this hump. Uh, well, that Hogan happens, really did but it's help. It's definitely still awkward. It's definitely still awkward. I, I will out.
1: say, I will say Hogan did help Booker T a lot. They were friends, and he and said like that Hogan did help them get. Like Booker's openly said that Hogan helped me get over in WCW well, because Hogan. A lot had a of big,
0: big a lot of people. Swing a lot of people don't know that when the doctor thing uh, came out and, and everyone heard the audio for the first time in the early uh, this decade um, Booker T had him immediately on his show to try to get him to explain himself, you know, and that doesn't get publicized. That's not how the world works. I look Hogan did some fucking, he said some terrible things. It just sucks because, you know, he used to be that, him and Austin I would say are pretty much neck and neck, but now Austin obviously goes ahead of him because of that stupid bullshit that he shouldn't have done. It just what was specifically seeing the Booker T thing, that's actually not true, but I'm sure there was a lot of people that thought that. Like, why is Rick not talking? Now then again, I love Rick Flair, but I it's not like I haven't heard Theodore Long talk about, you know, some awesome shit back in the eighties involving Rick's with the same stuff. I mean, but either way, the, the honest—we're not telling the honest answer is Yeah,
1: uh, the honest answer is Rick gets himself in trouble, and Austin is more over than Rick Flair is at this point because you see Rick Flair everywhere. But when's the last time? I, I love Rick, hey, man, and I think Rick is one of the greatest of all time. But like, he's not as over to that audience as Stone Cold, and uh, that's why.
0: All right, so I got a couple things for SmackDown. That I wanted to go over. First thing, Shawn Michaels. So I didn't hear at the beginning of what the reasoning was, why he wasn't on commentary, but I was looking forward to that the whole entire fucking week. It was cool having a part of that segment. And I liked that. He took that dig at Dolph Ziggler. I, kind of, I, I, I have to admit though, I do feel fucking bad for Dolph Ziggler at the end of the day. I know that he's doing it. He's making money. He tells everyone not to worry about it, but he basically is just a utility guy. He comes in, does whatever the fuck they tell him, and he doesn't have any passion because of where his placement is within the industry anymore. He doesn't give a shit. He just comes in, bumping feeds in the ring, does over, overly dramatic promos, and that's his thing. Either way, hearing Sean and him go back and forth was kind of – was cool. I just wish – I don't know this. They brought up you know the whole like how he made an embarrassment of himself. On the Saudi Arabia, you know, match, and you know, what the fuck I, that's tainted his legacy. And they kept on going to that. And then hearing what AJ, another person, keep in mind that has been linked up with Sean in the past, I'm going to come to NXT, Sean. I know where you would live, blah, 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 on the way out. I'm I'm just proposing. I would love to see as commentator. I think it was bullshit that they did that. I don't know what the hell the reasoning was. Um, But I would have loved to have seen Sean commentating. I'm wondering, actually, if he's thinking about coming back for a a short run, a couple matches, maybe five total, you know, a lot of the ones that we would expect. There's Daniel Bryan, which is a protege, AJ Styles. You could do Dolph Ziggler. I don't really want that, but I know a lot of fans that do. Seth Rollins, another one. Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. Those are guys that I could see him doing stuff with in NXT or on the main. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying – They kept, like, Dolph made it a point to insult the fact that Shawn tainted his legacy. And then Shawn got physical both nights back-to-back and had threats from two guys that have been correlated with him of having return matches with. Maybe I'm looking too much into it, and I just want my favorite legend to have a couple great matches, you know, at this age, at the end of his career. Very similar to, like, maybe, like, Steamboat, you know, doing that with Jericho, getting... Getting uh you know wanting to come back to kind of like finish up something that he didn't get to do beforehand. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna happen. Why the fuck did he go to Saudi Arabia and why wasn't he on the announced team, uh, Chris? Well, I was super
1: pissed he wasn't on the announced team, and I'm not gonna lie. I tuned directly the fuck out of SmackDown when I found out that was. They promised me one thing and they didn't give it to me. Sean on commentary is always amazing, hilariously funny, and he wasn't fucking there. So I tuned out and watched it today. So let me start by saying I don't give a shit about Dolph Ziggler. I think he's been buried so much that there's no need for him to have a rub from Shawn Michaels. They're never going to treat him as a serious star. The entire thing was a waste of HBK, in my opinion, because people draw those comparisons. Uh, What I will say, you can point out that Shawn tainted his legacy, but his match at Saudi Arabia with no partner was still better than Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi Kingston at Saudi Arabia, which I would have immediately shot back with. Because that match was better. The tag match between Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker and Kane was better than Ziggler versus Kofi at the last Saudi Arabia event. Don't believe me. Go back and watch them. Or fucking <laughs> One of those things is not like the other. So, I, I just don't like Ziggler. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to change my opinion on this. I think it was a waste of Shawn who would have been better off on commentary. And if you're going to give a superstar a rub, they should have done something with Mustafa Ali and Shawn or... Like, anyone else besides Ziggler who they're never going to book seriously. Like, they're never booking that guy seriously. And, like, Miz is just there with his hand up his ass, like, the entire thing. So, I fucking hated that.
0: You know, it's crazy. Bringing up Miz, I heard this today. We don't have a lot of time, but I I did want to bring this up since you just mentioned that. Apparently, Ric Flair, something happened with Dolph where he pissed off the back or he got injured and he had to leave, but... When Miz took over the uh, figure four leg lock and got endorsed by Ric Flair, Ric Flair originally wanted to do that with Dolph Ziggler, but he either hurt himself or pissed off the back, and they scrapped it last second. Find that kind of strange, um, random fucking information today. Uh Either well, way,
1: I would see. say I would say Miz is better as a Ric Flair than Dolph Ziggler, even though he's not a better worker than Dolph Ziggler, just because Dolph Ziggler is terrible on the fucking mic, as we've seen by, what about me? What about Ziggler?
0: Ember um, Moon, uh, I was happy that she got a win over Charlotte. I thought that was a very strong win. Uh, all right, so we kind of talked about Finn and Bray. Um, we t- kind of talked about Kevin Owens. We can come back to that. I'm so excited that they went into the feud between Kofi and Randy. They're going to have it at SummerSlam, and they brought up the past stuff that happened in real life. I like it when they blend things with reality. They they went really into it. I like that Randy held his ground and was like, you weren't ready for it. That that, that cocky, e- like egotistical nature that Randy Orton perfectly inhabits. Um, I'm looking forward to this match, and I'm looking – well – if Randy wins, I'm not looking forward to that. That would be fucking just terrible. But with Kofi winning against Randy Orton, I think that will really set up Kofi and solidify his championship run, especially getting it back for the guy that held him down, you know, all these years beforehand at Madison Square Garden after he got his a great match and then, you know, the stupid shit and all that stuff. Coming out full, full circle, I think it's going to be great. What do you think about this pairing?
1: I think it's a great pairing. I think it's a good SummerSlam match. Fans are still super behind Randy Orton, uh, whether they love him or hate him. He's still a well-known name. I'm not a huge Randy Orton fan, but I think he's going to have a really good match with Kofi. And uh, Kofi needs to get the win here um, until they build up the next guy, whether it's Daniel Bryan or they turn him heel somehow. Um, But, yeah, I, I like this. I don't want Randy to win the title. I think that's a bad move. But, uh, yeah, I'm completely fine with Kofi continuing having a really strong booking and beating Randy at the the pay-per-view.
0: All right, so let's talk about Kevin Owens, man. You know, he's doing his thing. Try to screw him over with the Roman Reigns stuff. Definitely put everything against him. But I think Kevin's definitely, like Bray in a lot of ways, is one of the things that keep me consistently – with Shane McMahon, but he's actually making me like Shane as a heel when no one did that beforehand between Miz and, and Roman. No one could do that. Kevin Owens is bringing that nostalgia factor, but I think he's doing it his way. And I think that he is doing a good job of it. And uh, him and Shane, I don't know what he gets from all of it though, Chris, because if he loses, he loses his job. Shane's still going to be there regardless.
1: Well, I mean, he looks like a super smart baby face that he's able to pull over the win. To, to, he, he out Vince, so to speak. Stone Cold's job was on the line so many times in and, the and same scenarios and you get the big win. Uh, that means a lot. Whether you have help or not, like if he just outsmarts them and looks like a smart baby face, that's 100% better than most of the baby faces you have on Raw. So what he gets from that is it's someone the fans can get behind. is someone that can actually get through all of the McMahon bullshit to get a win. This is the only thing that, that's that been booked with authority figures that make any sense in forever. Um, now they could fuck it up and him lose his job and then end up in NXT or something, but hopefully they're not going that route. I don't think they're going that route, so I'm looking forward to it. I just wish they would give Kevin more screen time and more of those shoot-type promos like he cut when he first turned
0: uh face Yeah, I would definitely say that I agree. And speaking about great promos, Ali's promo killed it. I know that he's getting over some hand injury, so he wasn't able to perform, but the perform the the promos that he's been doing have been very consistent. Uh last thing I want to talk about though. So we have Finn Balor come out. He was addressing the fact that Bray Wyatt tried to attack him. Uh Bray comes on the screen. He's now Firefly Flunhou- Firefly Flun- Firefly Funhouse Uh, version Bray, all happy go lucky. He takes Finn's challenge, basically, and says that, you know, the Fiend is going to destroy him, essentially. I thought it was awesome. If Finn's taking a break, you could do something really cool where either if he's Finn, Bray destroys him really fucking quickly and then makes the demon one of his, like you said, one of his puppets that he is saying that he has possession of or whatever until Finn comes back takes it back, goes against him. Or maybe Finn says, fuck it, joins the club, and you just do something different with them. This is a good way to write him off, come back two months later, fresh. Uh, or you put the Demon against Bray, so Finn does have some offense, but inevitably Bray beats the Demon first time, and Finn doesn't have that. Either way, Finn's gone afterwards. But I'm very excited about this. Chris, uh, are you excited about this pairing at SummerSlam, and do you think this will be good overall for Finn to kind of – either lose a demon right off the back at SummerSlam or get a two month break, you know, to be able to reinvent himself after taking a break.
1: I think a two month break with a demon coming back is fine. I would prefer for the fiend to run through them and set up Alistair versus the fiend and you build Alistair and you build Alistair and you make him the one that stops the fiend and that puts him over. Um, That's how I would do it. The Mustafa Ali promo I thought was also great. Just want to comment on that real quick. If you want an opponent for Kofi, he's the perfect guy. Because no one's going to be mad if Kofi loses to Mustafa Ali, especially after what he's going through. And then you can have him go against the Fiend if you want to, and you're building another baby face. And you can have Kofi still up there in the top echelon going against others. But that's where I would go with that
0: personally.
2: And that's the bottom line. Just
0: don't go set up. All right, thank you guys again for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, check out GV Nation—that's in Geek Vibes Nation, GVNation.com. All of our news articles. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Blog Talk, as well as our platforms and social media. And uh, thank you, Chris, for joining us tonight. Uh, of course, like you always do, check us out next Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys so much and peace out.